Hello, and welcome to Know Your Onions. My name is Todd Workham, and I will be your host for this week. Sam is traveling, so he has graciously allowed me to take control of our nascent podcast so we could keep bringing you fresh hacks and fresh content about working across cultures. I'm sitting here today in the Berlin office of ICUNet, and with me today is Kerstin Grunland. Kerstin is my dear colleague, mentor, friend, and a bona fide expert in our topic today, which is remote leadership. Kerstin, welcome to the podcast. Hi, thanks Todd for inviting me. This is indeed a very interesting topic and a very challenging topic. And um, I'm very happy to, um, to do this because I realize out there this is one of the most um, biggest, uh, I think, step stone. If you're able to uh, get your team together virtually to uh, establish trust so the people are motivated to work together, you can reach a lot with your team. Yeah. Well, we're happy to have you. Um, but before we dive into the topic... Uh, maybe you could just uh, shortly introduce yourself. Tell us who you are. Well, I'm Kirsten. I'm originally from Stockholm, and um, I've been I've been doing this uh, this job for I think now 16 years, where I support people to uh, become more um, efficient, effective in um, leading virtual and intercultural. Uh, teams and um, leading them also maybe a bit more agile, flexible, so that you are able to find out with um, like a high level of culture sensitivity who you got in your team, able to offer what they need actually to grow each individual. And this is this is my motivation in this job. And you do it very well. <laughs> so let's just start with the absolute basics. Um, what is it? Uh, how do you define remote leadership? Remote leadership is basically where you don't see each other face to face. So you cannot get the um, instant reaction of a person. You don't know what that person feels. You, there's a lot of things you don't know and that you have to sort of surface to be able to uh, to understand, and that's why communication is so important in the virtual um, virtual teams. And um, yeah, basically, people working distant from each other. It can it doesn't have to be across borders. It can be across cities. Uh, it can be across offices. But you just don't, you know, spend time having a cup of coffee together. You don't spend time having um, lunch together. So, you know, it's more difficult then to establish this trust. And from what I get from that, it brings about a lot more uncertainties. Uh, you're not able to get that instant gratification, as you said. Are there any other challenges that are specific to remote leadership that uh, make this topic unique? Yes, it is. Um, and it depends on where you come from, from which culture where your preference lies. If you are coming from a culture where you do have a lot of nonverbal communication, this is obviously a strong challenge when you work virtually. Because, well, on video conferences, you can get some verbal mess messages, but it's actually quite limited. Yeah, there's one of them. And uh, so you have to find other ways to um, translate that verbal um, communication into words. Yeah, I think that's... One of, one, one of the biggest challenge. 
And so uh, you're working quite a bit with, uh, you know, different uh, leaders or members of management who are required to exercise uh, remote leadership. Uh, what's the most common pitfall that you see? Where do people get it wrong? Um, it depends on where we are, I think. Uh, like the headquarter culture, where is this person's culture is also important to have in mind. But I think that the most important thing is that you can't take things for granted. You have to communicate a lot more. And trust you can build up by spending time together in the office. You get to know each other. You know what your colleagues, uh, ch children are up to, you know, what, you know, where they go on holiday, you know how they feel and think about things, but this is the kind of things you don't know. So you need a transformation from um, formal into informal, and you need to add some context to text. So if you come from a culture that is strong, text-oriented, task-oriented, you need really to emphasize on building relationship to build that trust. If you come from relationship-oriented cultures, you would need more text, clarify, uh, have very clear communication and, and communicate very specific. So that is a thing you have to learn. So it depends really where you come from, what sort of kind of, um, what kind of preference you bring with you in terms of working styles and communication styles. And just to drill a bit deeper into that, um, in terms of the things you take for granted, uh, you say, is it just the relationship side of things that are taken for granted, or uh, how, is, how would that, was that meant? I think a lot of the things that can be very disturbing if you come from a very task-oriented culture um, and you agree on deadlines and things, like in terms of planning, uh, you take for granted that that is going to be delivered in a certain uh, in a certain time frame, and if that is not happened, you might even get disappointed. You might even express some of uh, you know some of the bad feelings you have about it, and uh, that a person might not really understand you because uh, they have a different kind of tolerance to what is a deadline. And also, if you come from a more relationship-oriented culture. You also have a, um, a challenge that if uh, your boss comes to a table and says, hey, do that now for me, there is no way in this hierarchy culture where you can say, no, I've got another priority. You're not so much in charge of your own priorities, which we are here in our task-oriented uh, cultures in this part of the world. And so you need to, um, and that's why the relationship is so important. And uh, so there's a lot of ways to get it wrong. That seems to be quite clear. How do people get it right? Or more specifically, what does it look like when people are getting it right? Oh, that's, that's a good one. Um, when people get it right, they are committed to the task. They're also committed to the team and to every team member. And that is what you would have to um, develop in a team. You have to develop, like uh, we say, an attractive team space where you collaborate as a team. And that space should not only be formal information sharing, but also personal getting to know each other, sharing experiences. And important is also the, uh, the way you work synchron and asynchron, so that you work offline, 
delivering your stuff to the project, but you also need to work online at the same time. So you need to use the time overlapping time that actually appears. If you work here, for example, in Germany, if you got your Chinese colleagues, your Indian colleagues, there are like around three, maybe to four hours where you have an overlapping time. And that is the time that you need to use to, um, to make people feel that you are one team. And that is essential. If you don't use that time, uh, people have no sense that they actually belong to a group that work um, closely together. You know, you, you really need to develop this kind of feeling of uh, my team, this is a place where I feel I belong. You know, mm -hmm. And belonging, that is something very personal. So you would need to have a team leader who would have to develop such skills and competences. And this is, I think, necessary to, to learn how to get a committed team, team members. So let's say I'm leading a team remotely. How can I make sure that uh, I'm making the impact that I need to for us to be successful? Yeah, I think one of the most important things is that the person leading the team has to come across as a human. You cannot lead a virtual team only purely on your function. That will not work. You need to have more like a like social presence, um, which is defined by the degree to which the partner of interaction is perceived as a person. And, and, and this is really important. Um, so you need to be a bit more personal, open up as well, and not only purely lead from a function. I think that's one of the most important things. They need to, you know, you need to be perceived as a person supporting them, as a pers person giving orientation, uh, um, making sure that everybody can speak up, making sure that not one person speaks 30% of the uh, time you have together, but people really um, opening up you know, to each other and to the topics and do breakout rooms so that people can prepare things, come back and then uh, uh, present things so that they f don't feel the pressure having to say yes or no during the, uh, the uh, meetings, things like this sort of corresponding to the different needs that you feel are in the, in the room. Yeah, so if I can just roughly summarize that, it's being more than just, you know, an email signature on the other side, really uh, giving more of yourself from a personal sense so that, you know, people aren't just saying uh, no to, you know, an inanimate thing. They're saying yes or no to somebody that they uh, really feel a duty to respond to. Yeah. Uh, what I think is important is to find out how does your team member want to communicate? What is their favorite sort of method? How do they, you know, and some people really like to have just normal phone calls. They just like to hear the voice because with the voice, we are still more personal than we are on emails, for example. Others prefer a lot of emails, but emails is an information sharing, does not correspond to any, you know, uh, um, how do I feel today and things like this. So, yeah, using the phone is still closer to the face-to-face um, -face than um, anything else. And uh, how would you broach that topic? Would you just uh, maybe call your colleague up and say, hello, dear colleague, uh, what's your preferred mode of communication? Uh, yes, uh, yeah? exactly, exactly, exactly. What, is your, what do you prefer? Uh, would you prefer more? Which media do you prefer? How direct can we be? How, how, 
how much clarity, how, how specific can we be, um, what is your way of, um, how do you favor your way of feedback, if something was wrong, how would you want that to be given to you, things like this. There's a lot of things to talk about, to agree on, as a, and while you agree on how to live the team life, so to say, how to make this team an effective team, Every time you negotiate ways of how to get forward, you strengthen the ties between the team members. And uh, to that point, uh, it's a hacks podcast. We're here to give people something to do. How can I build that? What's something that maybe if I had a, a team that was spread out across uh, Berlin, Shanghai, uh, Los Angeles, and uh, I wanted to build that kind of you know, safe space for my people. Um, what can I do tomorrow? What can I start tomorrow to do that? Find out who you got in your team. Get close to your people. Spend time to share dialogues together. Don't misuse the team space to just deliver information. Uh, we cannot hold this information so long. We, our, uh, we get uh, distracted. And so the better thing is to just to park your piece of information And um, tell the people in, the, in your team you've got some really interesting piece of information for them and where they can find it and tell them they should write, read it through, write two questions to you. You know that they've read it and they can go through it in their time asynchronous whenever they want to. And so you don't sort of misuse this space um, where you can have a lot of dialogues together and where you can um, talk about things that might not be so easy, but you know, kind of just information giving. We see that very often, and that is, uh, it's, it's a good way to kill that space. And uh, maybe one final thing. So you've given us uh, quite a few things to think about today, but if somebody wanted to learn more about this topic, uh, where could they go? What could they read? I think it's good just to go online and to have a look at um, games for virtual teams. There's a lot of really good stuff there. If you can sort of um, make your team having joy to communicate with each other and start their meetings with just a little bit of a like high five or just whatever, just something, you know, to, you know, to, something that they like, you know, you share playing together, you, you, you grow closer and that's, uh, you know, and they, uh, there's a lot of really good, good ideas for that online. So in a sense, you're just building community. Yes, in a sense, you're building the community. That's right, absolutely. And, and when people feel that they are part of this community, what happens is that they feel this kind of, we call it psychological safety, that they can feel safe to speak up. And when you are able to uh, establish a speak-up culture where people are no fears of coming with really strange and weird suggestions and ideas, and they try, you know, they dare to put those forward... That's a very strong sign that the trust is very high in the team. And then you can work on uh, negotiating a, a feedback culture, which is also very useful for a team. How do we give each other feedback and things like this? And, but I think, the, you know, I think it's important to, uh, if your team enjoy the meeting you have together, I'm sure you're going to be more successful in reaching the goals. And how exactly do you get to know your team when they're thousands of miles away? Oh, okay. Or you can do 
shall I give you some concrete little tips? Is that what you want? Of course. Okay. What you can do, for example, which I did with the team, and that was really, really nice. What we did was that we worked, um, everybody went to their favorite place in town, took a photo, and put that photo on their team space. And then when the team met last time, they talked about their favorite place that they had on the while they were golfing, while they were on the beach, while they were playing with the kids, while you know, they were in their most uh, favorite coffee shop, whatever. And so you could sort of see how people live their life, not uh, just when you were having conferences together face-to-face. You can experience them locally in their culture. And um, that's, uh, that's one thing. And another thing was that we were having just a go of everybody was saying what the name meant. And um, some countries have got such beautiful, you know, names and we didn't even know what they mean. And um, that's so nice. That's one thing. Or you could write about my most successful project and put that in the team space and share that. Um, Yeah, there's a lot of things to do that um, brings you closer together, get, you know, that personal that personal um, touch to it all that we are missing when we don't see each other. And also when people have birthday, you all phone that person, you you know, and you do a video conference, and you all sit there and have a cake and a candle and sing in your own language. That We did that too. That was really funny. You know, there's a lot of things you can do, but I think the thing is just enjoy finding new ways of getting closer and enjoy finding creative new little things that people will not forget. And so people will have the team and also the uh, objectives for the team obviously more in their mind, which is which is also good for reaching goals. And then you need to support people working together. For example, if we have people from uh, Americans, um, Chinese, Indians, and, and, and Swedish or German, whatever, it's good to have people working in teams across these cultures that they get to know each other. You Not only Indians work together and Swedes work together, but just to, um, to switch it around a little bit. Kerstin, it's been a pleasure. Thank you for taking the time today. Thank you very much for letting me speak here on this, uh, in the, um, this tool. <laughs> now, I, what is it called, this Andean? What is it called? Uh, I would say, like, uh, thanks for having me on the podcast. Oh, yeah, thanks for having me on the podcast.